Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Friends with Benefits. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but it probably helps if you have, as there are some plot spoilers. So if you do proceed, just be aware that the film will be spoiled for you. Enjoy. Hey, bud. Hello there. You all right? Yeah, not too bad. How are you? Yeah, good. Sorry if I just dropped the call there. I was um, I was just fumbling like a fumbling fool. <laughs> that is quite all right. Uh, you having a good day so far? I am still in my pajamas. Oh, nice. Um, which is nice. Yeah, I woke up at about um eight o'clock ish, and then I started working for the website for a couple of hours, um, and then. That's pretty much it. I the only time I've left the room is to go and get a a can of ginger beer, which I felt like I needed. Old Jamaica. No, it is Sainsbury's own, or no Tesco's own ginger beer. Yeah. How does it compare to Old Jamaica? Because I love a bit of Old Jamaica, but every now and pretty then, pretty much, pretty much every ginger beer tastes exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, it tastes pretty much exactly the same. I often drink um, Bundaberg when I'm feeling Ooh. fancy because it comes in those little. Little stubby uh, glass bottles. The stubby bottles that look like you're going to have to use a bottle opener to get them off, but it's just the ring pull that like pulls the little thing off. I love yeah, that. Yeah, it's amazing. They're they're the best. <laughs> yeah, the Bundaberg root beer is lovely. Yeah, that that I I really like Bundaberg in general. Um, they're not my favourite root beer. Um, I I really love A and W root beer. Oh yeah. Um, which is a good one. Um, and then Dominion root beer is is awesome. And that comes in a glass bottle, mm. which is always very fancy. Yeah, no, root root beer is one of life's simple pleasures, and it's it's always felt like an affront and a, a really kind of ultimate signifier of the austerity of British culture that it's not a thing here. Yeah, I think it's the the, the trademark British snobbery of American foodstuffs is that root beer isn't a thing over here yeah. because we just don't want to let it into our hearts. So it's like, oh, it's an American thing; we can't have that over here. It's like, no, yeah, losers. But we are allowed. What would coke. you rather have, Dan- dandelion and, and dandelion and burdock, or root beer? Come on, guys. I see. Dandelion and burdock is basically an inferior root beer. It is. It's just awful root beer. Yeah. Get get that out. That's root. Get root beer in. Root beer from bad roots. Yeah, it's bad root beer. <laughs> We're going to get a lot of email now from the um, the soft drinks lobby about how. Dandelion and Burdock is in fact a good beer with a rich, good root beer with a rich history, and also how you said that all ginger beer tastes the same. We're going to get a lot of emails from the fiery ginger beer lobby. <laughs> yeah, they're they're going to be livid. Yeah, they're going to be sending me death threats. They're going to be incandescent with rage. Angry notes wrapped around roots of ginger thrown through my window. <laughs> I guess you you could write on a ginger root in the same way you can sort of carve messages into a potato if you're a serial killer. Yeah, I'm just going to get fuck written (laughs) on a a root of ginger posted through my letterbox. (laughs) And then a couple of days later, a smaller ginger root with the word you on it. (laughs) Yeah, or off. (laughs) Or off, yeah. Uh, But yeah, no, after Brexit, of course, the only drinks we're going to be able to drink is dandelion and burdock. (laughs) Yeah. That's it. That'll be a treat. 
and what that an acorn juice yeah they, that's going to be the two two drinks and alcoholics will be able to drink dandelion and but no not not that um newcastle brown ale and oh, yeah. um and buckfast those will be the only two alcoholic <laughs> drinks available <laughs> yeah that's it the only cocktail will be dandelion and burdock mixed with buckfast <laughs> dandelion and buckfast that's actually a better name it is, yeah. Get rid of that burdock rubbish. Yeah, every single cocktail bar you go into. Can I get you a dandelion and burdock for the non-drinkers, a dandelion and buckfast, or if you really want to go mad, this new cocktail we've got with Newcastle dandelion. <laughs> Newcastle brown <laughs> ale, dandelion and burdock and buckfast in a big yeah. pint glass. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's our future, yeah. Paddy. So we're moving on for sponsors, I guess. So th- last week's episode was sponsored by Pizza Hut. This week's episode is sponsored by <laughs> Dandelion and Burdock. Yeah, drink that disgusting drink. <laughs> it's inferior to the rest of the world, just like the UK at large. <laughs> <laughs> Are you an angry 60-something looking for someone to blame? Then Dandelion and Burdock is the drink for you. <laughs> Dandelion and Brexit. I reckon if they <laughs> if they rebranded it as Dandelion and Brexit, it would sell more. Yeah, you'd, you'd have lots of alt-writers going, oh, I'm going to trigger the libs by drinking this disgusting drink. Yeah. Cause as, Angry snowflakes? Yeah, as as like lefty liberal libtard snowflakes that we are, we, we can't handle seeing the word Brexit on a can. It's going to trigger no. us. No, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just start complaining about it and start crying. That That's how it works. Yeah. We'll have to go and find a safe space. Yeah. <laughs> a safe space that sells root beer. A safe space that, yeah, that sells root beer, proper nice root beer. Not yeah. dandelion and burdock that is the kind of drink that would come, that you could buy using vouchers that come with the sun. <laughs> I can just imagine that, actually. Um, yeah. Welcome Just, to uh, the British Soft Drinks podcast. Da- Daily Express with free vouchers to go and buy some dandelion and burdock. Yeah. It-, um, it, it has been consumed in the British Isles since the Middle Ages. It was originally a type of light mead, Ooh. but over the years has evolved into a carbonated soft drink. Traditionally, it was made with fermented dandelion and burdock, hence the name. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> no, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> Dandelion and Sherlock. <laughs> Again, that that would be um that'd be the same thing, but with Benedict Cumberbatch's face on it looming at you. <laughs> That's their their attempt to um to promote it to the millennial generation. And then they, they release the diet version, which is Dandelion and Sherlock. Sugar Freeman that's got Martin Freeman on it. <laughs> this is what the millenniums want. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, Good so you've got Dandelion and Brexit and Dandelion and Sherlock. Yep. They're going to try and get both markets. Guys, if you're part of the Dandelion and Burdock lobby, you need to get in touch with us because we've got so many ideas for your shitty product yeah. that will make people forget that it tastes like ass. <laughs> like sweaty plant ass <laughs> but also if you if you do work for the dandelion and burdock lobby don't steal our idea these these ideas no, are copyrighted we'll if we these are all copyrighted if we see those on a can we are gonna sue your ass <laughs> sue your sweaty plant ass 
<laughs> yeah. We make we make enough money off of this podcast that we could afford to sue anyone who steals our ideas. So Yeah. Watch out. Yeah, you know, we're we're big business now. Yeah. <laughs> big mess with us. <laughs> it's like the conspiracy big burdock, you know. We yeah. can we can take it on. Do you reckon that Big Burdock's in line with Rupert Murdoch? Because <laughs> they're named right. Dandelion and Murdoch. There's so much <laughs> you can do with it. This is great. <laughs> oh. Oh, so, I mean, no offence to Rupert Murdoch, apart from the fact that he's obviously incredibly evil. But, like, you wouldn't want his face on a can, would you? No, I mean, you don't want his face anywhere <laughs> apart from on a rocket on its way to the sun. Although his face kind of looks like a sweaty ass, so it does tie in with the taste. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Oh, good times. So we're recording this on November nineteenth, which is International Men's Day, but it, this will go out on Friday the twenty fourth, which is Black Friday. So this is a special special days podcast. That's amazing! International Men's Day today, is it? It is, yeah. So, are most of the people today going to be complaining about how there is no International Men's Day? Yeah, well, it's the day for all of the people who, on International Women's Day, go. Huh, imagine if there was an International Men's Day. Can go. Actually, there is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I I I routinely say that every single year when when International Women's Day comes up. Yeah. Because there's always some bullbag <laughs> that I know that's like, why is there no International Men's Day? Yeah. Women have it so easy. But of course, International Men's Day is quite an important thing because it it does raise issues about things like male suicide rates and things like that. Yeah. Um. So MRA people can get the fuck off. This day's not for you. It's for actual issues. Yeah. Not your whiny bullshit. It is not for you, meninists. Or whatever, whatever the whatever you like to be called now. Take your stupid fucking T-shirt and your stupid fucking hat yeah. and fuck off. But if you, if you are those of us a meninist, who- I I implore you today on International Men's Day, which by the time this goes out will have been six days ago. But do it, you can do it retroactively. Just instead of ranting about how women are taking everything away from you, maybe look look at yourself and think about why you feel angry or why it is that you have this anger inside you and. Just talk to someone about it without being a dick, you know? Just just talk to someone about it. Talk about your feelings, get it out there, and realise that it's okay not to feel okay, and that it's fine, you know? Talk, express yourself without being a dick. That's that's the message. Yes, don't be an asshole. Yeah. And, and like, have a look at what real-world issues do impact on men, which are raised on this day that we're recording this yeah. podcast, and see about what can be done to solve it and the answer isn't stop women from being able to talk about stuff or stuff like that it's often things like increase mental health awareness yeah um help break down these barriers that stop men from being able to talk about things like mental health yeah or things like prostate cancer and things like that um and and yeah just look at how you can actually improve things for men and look at how society might be damaging men because it's not always the fault of somebody else it can be the fault of a societal problem overall which can be addressed yeah and if don't tell your mates to man up if they're having a hard time actually like ask them to open up to you about it and have honest conversations about it and talk about it just don't think that men have to be strong or have to keep things in or whatever don't tell anyone to man up yeah yeah 
tell tell them to to just chill out yeah and be nice and and, and open up check out the great work of calm campaign against living miserably who are an excellent charity you've done a lot of good work in this area they've been tweeting some good stuff today so check them out if you need any kind of resources or this kind of thing for you know thinking on a practical way how do i actually deal with the fact that i want to open up but can't express myself or that kind of thing they can help yeah they're an absolutely phenomenal charity that often goes under the radar um i feel um in comparison to some of the other mental health charities but they really target a very important area of improving mental health research and improving mental health awareness so yeah check them out definitely yeah so that's international men's day what about black friday it's the most wonderful day of the year if you love i can't wait to kicking grannies to get a television <laughs> well, i i want i want more black friday over in the uk because at the moment it's kind of just the odd sale and then amazon goes mental for it yeah um Whereas, like, I'd really like to see some full-on crazy Black Friday, like a Weatherspoons Black Friday sale, oh, where all points are fifty p. Can you imagine how awesome that would be? Like, in, in terms of just popcorn watch, like popcorn eating, watching society slowly disintegrate around us. Yeah, it really charging into the pub. It's a it's the spectacle of the worst excesses of consumerism and the worst excesses of capitalism that push people towards this kind of insane behavior it's the it's the real spectacle is spectacle of the sharp end of that that yeah i must admit it's a, it's a little bit yeah it's probably a little bit unfair but there is a certain element of popcorn munching on my on my end i sometimes buy because you know we talked about amazon but we, we, t- we yeah i i try not to buy too much from amazon because they're tax dodging bastards yeah um, but every so often, if you see a bargain that good, it's kind of hard to say no. But things like book purchases, I often make in actual shops. Yeah, there's um, and there's also if you want your books online, there's Hive as well, which connects you with like hundreds of amazing independent retailers. So you can check out Hive as well if you want a nice alternative to Amazon that will keep the independent retailers running. Oh, there we go. Um, we we talked about meninists. Um, it's just such a funny yeah. word. It rolls off the tongue. But, uh, but Black Friday makes me into a Leninist <laughs> because of its <laughs> yes, a Marxist Leninist. Yes, you know I want to grow a big beard, destroy destroy the uh, capitalist pig dogs that are running the world, etc. I agree. Dis- so... Disclaimer: I don't want to do that. <laughs> you just want to rough them up a bit. Yeah, I just want to poke him in the bum. <laughs> just give him a quick jab with a stick and be like, "Oi, sort it out." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, this Black Friday, just be nice, you know. Get some bargains if you want, but don't don't push over any grannies. Don't kick anyone to get to get a microwave, you know. Just don't, I mean, don't unless a they're a real unless they're a real nasty piece of work, you know. If if you hear if you hear the granny next to you and you're waiting in the queue saying like. Oh, Adolf Hitler had the right idea. I think, you know, give them a kick. Oh, but don't yeah. kick them just to try and get produce. Yeah. If they voted for Brexit, then that's a whole that's a whole different story. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to kick over half of the people who voted in that referendum. Yeah. That's fine. Well, <laughs> so you've got a fifty fifty chance of the person next to you when you're doing your shopping being worthy of a kick. So say Paddy. Fifty one point eight percent to be precise. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, but Black Friday, of course, is the traditionally the day after Thanksgiving. So as this goes out the day after Thanksgiving Day, happy Thanksgiving to our American listeners. I hope you had a nice day and I hope you're all grateful for the fact that you can get root beer everywhere because we can't. Yeah, you need to understand that you have it great. You have root beer. Yeah, We have to struggle to find root beer on this godforsaken island. You you have it growing on every street corner, or as we have to go out and hunt it with spears. Yeah. Uh, the British hunter-gatherer now is just finding American produce that we want. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really disappointed. My local shop had like an American food section, but clearly it's not done as well as they hoped, so they've slowly been like reducing it and reducing it and reducing it so that now they don't do root beer oh. and they don't sell craft mac and cheese either, which is now killing oh. me because like the orange goodness. I need that. The orange goodness that I think I think I I don't think I'll ever be without craft mac and cheese because I'm sure one of the horrible chemicals in it is going to remain in my bloodstream for the rest of my life. Yeah, it, having eaten it, it stays with but, you for the rest of your life. But you know, it's 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 good. So now it just sells like this this little section in the supermarket just sells like knockoff American food. So it doesn't have like Hershey's cookies and cream. It has some random brand cookie chocolate. Herschel's it, cookie it's really bite. Dep- it's really <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> it's really it's really depressing and i'm like oh come on guys but like there there seems to have been a real downgrade in the variety of food available in sussex i think the brexiters have won yeah um, because like there used to be a nice variety of like different fresh noodles we could buy as well and that's all disappeared so you can only get like normal boring noodles and like there was like a really nice thai section which has disappeared so now everything is just steak and ale pie pies it was always it's always it's always pies isn't it it is it's, and like, I, I don't mind a good pie, but come on, you can't have pie every day. No, you can't. You'd get fat. <laughs> like um, like Boris Johnson. Ah, oh, Boris fucking Johnson. <laughs> He's a living pie. He's like, if a pie, <laughs> if a a pie had a wig pie. and wore a bad suit, that's who Boris Johnson is. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, that's that's very, very sad. But happy Thanksgiving to our American friends. Yes, happy Thanksgiving, you lovely people. Yeah, some of American people feature in the film that we watched this week, Friends with Benefits. Yes, there's quite a yeah. lot of American people, in it, fact. Yeah, in fact, I almost go so far as to say as the whole cast was American because it was set in America. <laughs> Maybe there might be the odd Canadian in there, though. You never know. Oh yeah, there's always the like sneaky. sneaky Canadians, aren't there? Yeah, people you don't realize are Canadian. Yeah, yeah, the people that you don't, yeah, you know, you always think that they're American, but secretly they're not. The odd, like, Stealth Canuck. <laughs> stealth Canuck. Yeah. The stealth Canucks. That's my um, it's my new industrial band. <laughs> Just industrial metal songs about poutine. Yep. I would go for that. Poutine and, totally... and Putin. <laughs> Moon Putin. Moon Putin. <laughs> Yeah, so um, Friends with Benefits, you had seen this film before. I thought I had not, but I realised when it got to the final scene with the flash mob in Grand Central Station that somehow I had seen that final scene on television. Or that I think I'd walked into the room once when Claire was watching it, so I was wrong about the fact that she had dismissed the film previously and not watched it, because she must have been watching it on the TV once, and then I came in at the end. So, I, But I didn't remember it until it got to the end. And then I was like, oh, of course, it's a flash mob. 
and don't you think that that kind of this is a very modern movie but don't you think that it really really dates the film instantly yeah for when flash mobs were a big thing it's um it's it's yeah it's modern i mean it came out six years ago but there are elements of it that have not aged well at all even in that time like they they don't quite have smartphones or they do have smartphones but like apps are only just becoming a big thing so there's a kind of weird and slightly inappropriate moment where he's got some kind of app that tracks her period and you're like what the hell is this you creep and he's like there's an app for that (laughs) as also they can make a joke about there being an app for it and it's like dude no one cares that there's an app for it anymore yeah now nowadays there is an app for literally anything anyway so you're just like yeah okay yeah we got it but the yeah the flash mob thing really really dates it and it's like the flash mobs keep coming back and keep coming back they're not like the focus of the film like i'm genuinely really shocked that n- nobody made a film around the time called flash mob that was like flash dance or whatever and it's all about people falling in love in flash mobs or whatever i could see the guy who's that guy who makes all those films that are like after days like valentine's day new year's eve oh yeah um, Gar- gary marshall same... i could see him is making it the same flash person or is it it's it's all the one guy same guy is it oh okay which is why so many of the same actors keep turning up in them oh okay yeah one of those would be a good film to talk about maybe new year's eve yeah we could talk about one of them i have seen new year's eve i have also seen Um, new year's eve and and spoiler alert it's fucking awful it's as as bad (laughs) it is not a good film (laughs) terrible film but yeah we could we could rewatch that i might have to brace myself yeah um, but yeah, no, we could rewatch that. Sure. Is that the one where Ashton Kutcher gets stuck in a lift with the girl from Glee? Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Yeah, and it's all about the 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 woman who's I've forgotten who is it? Hilary Swank, who's the person who plans the event where the ball falls down on yeah, yeah. Is that one the falling yeah the falling ball and Mariah is it Mariah Carey? Oh no, no, I'm confusing that with an actual incident where Mariah Carey's ear monitor wasn't working at last year's New Year's Eve thing where she was singing at Times Square and she did not enjoy it. But to be fair, uh, you can't sing if your ear monitor's not working. So what else are you? No, if think? you if you can't hear what you're singing, then it is it is horrendous. Yeah. So having played at lots of shows where I do not hear my vocals well enough whatsoever, you kind of just got to go with it. You do, but she did not go with it. Yes, yeah, but thankfully, um, acceptable. Friends with Benefits is a much better film than New Year's Eve. I um I enjoyed it more than I was expecting to. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so as well. Um, I I think that Friends with Benefits you know, on the surface has the, a lot of the same issues with marketing that bridesmaids has yeah in that it's kind of portrayed as this incredibly raunchy over the top comedy that's like oh yeah you know chick flicks don't have to suck this (laughs) one's all about sex and friends etc yeah um whereas in fact it's it's quite a at its core and i think about two-thirds of the way through it starts turning into this quite sweet movie so like you've got the initial introductory bit where you think oh yeah okay i can see where this is going then you've got kind of like a raunchier middle section and then the end section is all very sort of like more much more emotionally impactful i think yeah i I wouldn't describe it as raunchy at all actually even though there obviously is quite a lot of sex in it the sex isn't done in a kind of a porny way and it's not done in a gratuitous way either. And I didn't feel like there were any kind of gross out or gratuitous elements in it that might have lend- lended themselves 
two uh, kind of chick flicks don't have to suck kind of marketing. There's a there's a bit where Justin Timberlake gets up to pee, and you you see his bum. Obviously, there's quite a lot of Timberlake bum, which is good. But there you, is, yeah. Um, and he's like he's sitting on the toilet, and you can kind of you can see his legs flailing while he's peeing, with a, peeing with a, an erection, and that's quite that's a, that's about as as kind of rude as it gets, really. But it's quite funny, I thought. It is funny, and I think quite a lot of the humour in those raunchier moments, so in like the sex scenes and stuff like that, a lot of it comes from a very real place as well, which I think is why it works so well, is that in a lot of romantic movies there's this real disconnect between sex and romance, whereas in reality they're very much intertwined. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I mean, I'd say it's impossible to have a true romantic relationship with someone if that sexual element isn't there, at least in some regard. Yeah. Um, and like this movie kind of it, it shows it's one of those it, and, and it's something that's happened quite a lot in in recent rom-coms is they've been quite ha- quite more uh, much more happier to show uh the sexual side of it in a way that's not gratuitous um and in a way that just kind of talks about the reality of being in a sexual relationship with somebody yeah and um, and i think f- films don't always explore that side of it at all like often in romantic comedies it's very much it's kind of euphemized or hidden or whatever or like you know they go into the bedroom and the bedroom door closes and that's it and that's fine because maybe it's not the focus of the film but you you got to think maybe that it is being slightly sanitized and taken out of the idea of a romantic relationship especially can you imagine you know people films that people think of as huge romantic films like the notebook or whatever um can you imagine in the, the 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 way that how seriously those films take themselves? Can you imagine there even being a sex scene in them? And the answer is no. So I think we do need more films like Friends with Benefits to explore sex in kind of a fun way, but also in a, a relatively serious way of seeing how it fits together with a romantic relationship and romantic ideals. And I think it it did pull it off. Yeah, I I totally agree with you on that. Um, and although sort of like the premise of this movie is these two people are just friends and they decide to have a have a fuck buddies scenario going on, um, I think maybe they should have called the film Fuck Buddies instead, <laughs> which would have been much funnier. Um, but uh, but yeah, and and although it's got that premise in it, um, it does feel much more like a um a romantic relationship all the way through i'd say even though they've got this whole thing going on about how they're just friends that there's this huge chemistry between them um and that's what really propels the movie along i think in terms of you buying into these two characters is there's a load of chemistry between old timberlake and mila kunis yeah um in this film it's great they they work really well together their chemistry really carries it actually and i I think obviously the, the plot itself is is very predictable so you, you know what you're getting in for. I mean, I don't think anyone watches this film and goes, oh, really, I'm totally surprised that they they have this fuck buddy relationship and then it kind of goes wrong and it turns out they want more or they want it to be romantic as well. I don't think anyone is surprised by that. But at the same time, the, a predictable plot like that, if you also have wooden characters, then you, you get bored by it. So their performances were both were both good. Yeah, yeah, they're good. They're, they're they're really good in this movie even though like you said it's very very predictable i think like once you get over the fact that it's not going to be as raunchy as you initially expect um which obviously is a disappointment yeah i wanted more i wanted some from some timberlake schlong action on the go (laughs) you know where's the full frontal nudity of justin timberlake i wanted at least some some timberlake scrope (laughs) 
just understroked. <laughs> just the bottom of the ball bag yeah, showing. Just, just a little bit. A little, a little bit poking out. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you saw Mila Kunis's bum at one point for like a second. Although that is not her real bum. Really? Was it a double? Yeah, it is a butt double. Ah, oh, she had a butt double. Uh, by Joey Tribbiani, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, was I it um, was it Timberlake's bum? I think it was Timberlake's bum, okay. yeah. I don't think he had a butt double. Sorry, am I pre- um, preemptively doing the trivia section? <laughs> well, I just thought I'd chuck that in there. Yeah. Uh, just as a little, you know, a, a, a pre, pre-trivia moment. Yeah. But on, um, on that on that um note i hadn't realized at first um that it was the same director as easy a and came out the year after so it's um but i i noticed it after about five to ten minutes there's like a little easter egg so when she goes to the airport to pick him up um there's a that she steals a sign from a taxi guy to write on the back of and on the front of the name on the front of the sign is o pendergast which was the name of Emma Stone's yeah. character in Easy A. And then I was like, that's that's a link to that film. And then I looked it up. It's the same director. Will Gluck. Yeah, I noticed I noticed that as well. I knew that it was the same director, but the, when I, whenever I'd watched it before, I'd never noticed that little Easter egg. Yeah. Um, which I thought was very smart. And obviously there's a few members of the cast that are the same. So you've got a little little Emma Stone uh, cameo at the beginning. Yeah, I wanted and, more uh, of Patricia her Clarkson. because obviously she's a great yeah. actor. Yeah. Yeah, they've got these great two um, two cameos at the beginning. So they've got um, Emma Stone is Justin Timberlake's ex-girlfriend and she breaks up with him at the beginning of the film. And then Andy Samberg is um, yeah. Mila Kunis's just about to become ex-boyfriend who breaks up with her at the beginning of the film. And those are two, but it's a really funny scene where they, they cut back and forth between these two breakups. Um, and it kind of, it, kept, it sets the tone of the movie really well in the, much like Easy A, a lot of what propels the humour in this film is is the witty dialogue of it. Yeah. Um, and there's this really nice back and forth. It almost feels a bit like um, Gilmore Girls-esque, I suppose, in terms of the fast-talking uh, charm between these different characters. Um, and it's really it's really clever the way that they do it. And then, yeah, obviously, Justin Timberlake decides, hey, let's, let's head off to New York and, and find a new job opportunity. Yeah, the characters are all kind of permanently sassing each other. Um, and that, that lends to... That gives them all a sense of intimacy and ease with each other. And that kind of builds friendship and the idea of things between them in the way that, you know, sometimes you sass your mates or that kind of thing. And it, that, you could tell, felt the same as Easy A. Uh, had a similar kind of sensibility to it that once you knew it was the same director, it really made sense. And you're like, okay, I know this is going to be kind of a sassy and lighthearted and fun film. Yeah, definitely. And and it, it really does have a similar tone. It's it's a little bit more on the um on the more adult side, I suppose, than Easy A. Yeah. Um, but it, but it, it also it doesn't well. take itself too seriously either, which I, I really like. I think a lot of like rom coms like this can take themselves too seriously and be a bit straight-laced and just not fun or be afraid to say things that people might say in situations like in the op- the scene with um, Justin Timberlake and Emma Stone where they're breaking up at the same time as Mila Kunis and Andy Samberg are breaking up where it's all kind of cut together. I think that worked and was funny. But um, <laughs> she says to him, like, um, I, can't, I, th- I can't remember who says it. It's either Mila Kunis or Emma Stone, which says, hey, n- next time, why don't you just shit on my face? <laughs> <laughs> it kind of comes out of nowhere and you're like whoa okay that's extreme but funny 
Yeah, no, it's yeah, that, and there's these little moments of be like, ooh, yeah, okay, it'll just take you by surprise like that. And I think that's a real testament to the direction and to the script is that it is surprising, even even within a very very traditional rom com story, um, it does surprise you. And I think it that comes down to the fact that it clearly understands the the world of the romantic comedy. Um, and nowhere is that more true than when they're watching that fake rom com. Yeah, um, that was very with, well done. Uh, and it, with Jason Segel that's the, and the high point in it of the the like self awareness of the film as well. I think it's it is very self aware, and you you can tell that it's kind of looking at it. It's looking at its own navel a little bit, but that that's that, that sort of it. If it, if it hadn't really done that well, you'd be like, okay, yeah, fine. You're trying to make a comment on rom coms, blah blah blah. But yeah, that is actually very very funny. Jason Segel's got the perfect kind of puppy dog face for that. Yeah, it's really good. Um, and I think that's one of my favourite moments of it is when they're just kind of sitting there talking, like talking over this rom com, and it's clear. Like, and what what I really love is that Mila Kunis's character has clearly Mila seen Clooney. this movie. M- Mila Clooney, um, <laughs> she's clearly seen this movie like time and time again, um, because she's like speaking along to it. Um, and and like mouthing all of the words as it goes along so clearly even though they're mocking this film she knows it inside out and then at the end of the movie uh when justin timberlake is is sitting there all sad he's watching it on his own and it's reminding him of her and things like that it's like oh yeah well it's like you know you can you can poke fun at romantic comedies but still love them yeah um and you can poke fun at those tropes but still love them and still use them in an interesting way which i think kind of like sums up the entirety of friends of benefits yeah, it's it's a f- it's gives giving romantic comedies kind of a fond joshing, isn't it? It's it's taking yeah, the piss out yeah. of them, but still while still being one at the same time and being completely aware of that situation. So it's just kind of having a laugh with it, really. Yeah, defo. It's 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 nice the way that it does that, and I think it's it's a nice film overall, although it's a little bit a tiny bit raunchy in places. It, I wouldn't say it's anywhere near as bad as Bridesmaids is in terms of. No, like that gross-out humor. No or, one shits or even in the sexual in this humor. Film. <laughs> yeah, I mean that would be funny if at the beginning of the movie, um, like Justin Timberlake just took a dump. <laughs> yeah, it's like I've had enough of you, LA. I'm moving to New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, have, and even like the sexual content of this film isn't as sexually gratuitous as Bridesmaids, I'd say. No. Um, where obviously those great scenes of John Hamm in, um, nothing's as sort of like grotesque as that. Um, so even when they're having sex in this movie, it's all done very lightheartedly and funnily. Um, yeah. There are a few raunchy moments, but it's again, it all feels quite realistic and quite funny in that regard. There's this grounded humour to it. Yeah, and it depicts sex as fun and enjoyable as well, which you don't always get these kind of films because they do tend to take it seriously. And that's kind of a nice part of it as well. It's, it's acknowledging that actually it is supposed to be fun and enjoyable for everyone. Yeah, like, can you imagine the the the, the sex scene in the Notebook if they had a gratuitous <laughs> sex scene? How much crying there would be! <laughs> they would be, they would all it be would weeping. Be, it would be insufferable, and you'd have these these orchestral strings going, <laughs> and it's just like, oh, come on, for fuck's sake! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it's yeah. Whereas this movie, it does treat sex in a very positive way. Although I'd the say. the last sex scene in Friends with Benefits does have slightly more kind of cliche romantic music 
it's not like it's not a huge orchestra but the when they they go to his parents house for the fourth of july and they they fool around and then they end up having sex and that what that scene is more it's not played for laughs it's more of a kind of romantic just a few shots of them doing it and so it, mm. it, it then kind of brings you back to that place and you're like okay that's fine that's the signifier of the fact that they do genuinely love each other and they aren't just in it for fun okay that's fine that's a trope next scene yeah um and and what i really like about it is then that it kind of off the back of that scene this very traditional romantic scene um it then causes that that then causes the problems of the sort of complexity of the end of the movie where off the back of that they both feel as though there's something different about that sex scene i think even though justin timberlake denies it his character denies it it's clear that he's acting differently after that and he goes on this very very defensive uh tirade with his sister about the relationship between him and mila kunis um which I think obviously then that causes all of the problems at the end that then requires the big romantic gesture, which is one of the biggest romantic tropes in this movie Yeah, entirely, is is the finale. Um, but yeah, so it's quite nice the way that what would normally be like the great po- positive scene of the rom-com is actually what causes the problems because of this strictly sex relationship that they both agree to, but that they're both falling away from and into something that's actually more romantic yeah which you knew was going to happen all along but then yeah obviously she she overhears him talking about her and then he makes a he makes a fool he does a fool he does um and perhaps now it's a good time to bring up that justin timberlake's character in this movie is kind of a dick is that fair to say yeah i think so you you're much more it's it feels much more like her story than his story and he's a little more passive um but they they get probably an equal amount of screen time but you're much more endeared towards her character i think but yeah he's not he's not an outright mean he's not mean or anything and what's interesting about his character as well is he's kind of a dick but people it also feels like people are always taking the piss out of him like his his friends and other friends and her and they're always like trying to like fool him and stuff and humiliate him and there's also a slightly uncomfortable and regressive running joke about him being gay and stuff that kind of makes him look um it's all designed to make him look not like a dick but you still feel like he's a dick a little bit yeah and i think like it it, it's one of the few areas of the film that i don't think works quite as it was intended to yeah um because uh, on face value it just looks like he's being an ass and the more you look into it, it's more like okay he's clearly his life that he's lived up to this point and the relationships that he've ha- that he's had have clearly led him having these major insecurities about romance and about sex and so he kind of is retreating into this quite regressive um masculine shell um where he's sort of talking about how well, women always want this in a relationship and blah 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 um but it it doesn't quite hit home necessarily and it all feels a little bit too real i suppose that you kind of think that that's what he genuinely believes rather than it being a facade a lot of the time and it's not really clear whether that's what the movie wants you to think about in terms of the relationship between men and women or if it's poking fun at those kind of sensibilities yeah that's where you, you want to think that it's poking fun but you're not 100 percent sure because yeah, it's the, not quite there. His character isn't built up in that way. They should have made him really like proper mean, like just have some some scenes where he just kicks cats or whatever. 
I'd watch that. Yeah. Friends with benefits. Well, and also they kick cats. <laughs> cat kickers. That was a director's cut. <laughs> <laughs> well, the director's cat gets kicked. <laughs> but um he's the yeah, his character is the art director of GQ magazine. Good good product placement for for GQ there. Who interestingly in the um that shows their offices as being the Rockefeller Plaza with like GQ either side. And I don't know if you've been to New York and seen the Rockefeller Plaza, but GQ are not in that building. <laughs> oh right, yeah. okay. I, I have not been. I have not been to uh, to New York. Yeah. So it's like a huge fancy building. I'm sure GQ are in a nice building, but they're not in that building. <laughs> just just in a basement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's got yeah. Woody Harrelson as the the sports editor. He's quite a good little little character who pops up every every now and then to give him some nuggets of wisdom and drop some funny one liners. Like he's he's good. I love Woody Harrelson. Yeah, I really love him in this. I, I mean, I love him in every film, um, but I really love him in this. Uh, he's one of those actors, and and we say this about somebody quite regularly, but he's another one of those people that always makes something better just yep. by being in it. Um, so everything that I, I can't remember a single thing I've seen with Woody Harrelson in where I haven't loved his performance. Yeah. Um, going all the way back to films like Natural Born Killers, where he's an outstanding um, in that kind of role. But he's a really versatile actor as well. So in like The Hunger Games, he's always the best thing about The Hunger Games. He, yeah, he, his performance in that absolutely steals the show. Um, and yeah, in this, yeah, he's this uh, incredibly aggressive gay guy, like <laughs> aggressively gay. Um, and it's and he's great in it he's really good and he's one of he's like a real sweetheart of a character yeah um that you just absolutely love from the first time you see him in 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 the film and yeah he's great and he does he comes up with some of the funniest lines in the movie um and also comes up with these very sort of emotional lessons to teach um and yeah he's he's kind of has that kind of male mentor figure yeah. i suppose to the film so he's like the he's like the dad the dad that you get in the regular rom-com who's able to give that em- em- like emotional speech at the end. He kind of fills that position. Yeah, this film doesn't have the emotional... Oh, no, wait, it does. It does have an emotional dad speech. It does have an emotional dad oh, speech as man. well. Oh, man, yeah, because yeah. I forgot. Um, yeah, so Justin Timberlake's surrogate dad is Woody Harrelson, the sports editor, who's always making, like, j- dick puns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, constant dick puns. It's like, you'll have this whole really nice scene of him doing some genuinely nice wisdom and then he'll throw something about like saying it's ridiculous emphasis on the dick ha 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 and it's like <laughs> you can tell that like i think will gluck is slightly immature in his sense of humor like throwing just throwing in like little stupid puns like that but that because there aren't too many of them it doesn't quite cross the line into you thinking this film is just stupid like that they're always <laughs> yeah. kind of like nicely timed but um yeah it, it- yeah, Jay- it kind of sits um, with my sense of humour perfectly in that it's very clever with just an occasional moment of stupidity. Yeah, And I, lo- I love the occasional moments of stupidity. And my favourite Woody Harrelson-like joke is they uh, he he gets on his boat and Justin Timberlake's like, you have a boat? He's like, yeah, I live in Jersey and I ain't taking no ferry unless it's out for dinner and a show. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, and before that, um, before you see the boat, he like he just jumps into the. It looks like he's jumping into the river because you can't see the boat. He just like it looks like he's going for a run, and then he just jumps off the edge. I laughed out loud at that. I don't know why, but it really yeah. tickled me. It's it's really funny. It's really good. Yeah. So yeah, JT. He's like the surrogate dad, but JT's real dad. It turns out he's got Alzheimer's. Boohoo. Um, and then it's like. That part of it I wasn't super comfortable with because I was like, they didn't really explore it in that much depth. And it seemed like his dad's illness was 
a thing a thing that was almost kind of just thrown in there to maybe show a different side of him in a relatively cheap way and then at the end um it was kind of played for laughs a little bit by him not wearing his trousers in the airport restaurant when they had the they have like an emotional dad chat it's not a speech it's more of a chat and it's quite simple and the dad's like well just go and get her then you idiot and it's like he seems conveniently well enough to to have the emotional dad speech but when they need him to be ill to provide some sympathy for jt's character um then that's there so i wasn't 100 percent comfortable with with that i would have just had woody harrelson as the gay dad and that would have been way better see i quite <laughs> I, I, I don't think it worked that well, but I don't necessarily think it was as bad as you say. Um, because I think that scene at the end where he takes off his trousers uh, at the restaurant, um, I think it also plays into the fact that Justin Timberlake's evolved as a character and he's now no longer embarrassed by the things that his dad might do. And there's this whole ongoing saga about how he runs away from his problems and he he's run away from his father's issues. Um, and sort of they occasionally bring up that like he's not wearing pants and stuff like that throughout throughout the film. And Justin Timberlake always kind of avoids that issue, whereas this time round he takes off his trousers and sits with him. And I thought that was quite a neat way of showing that he's kind of developed in that regard and he's willing to take those responsibilities on. So although I think it should have been explored much better um, or not put in the movie at all, I think it nearly works. It's nearly there, but just not quite. Yeah, it felt like maybe they they could have been like building that side of his character up a bit earlier or that kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah, it felt a little bit flat for me. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely think it didn't quite work, but I think it was it's very close to being there. And maybe in the in the director's cat edition, you could have more um, more of his relationship with his family. Yeah, and instead of not wearing his trousers, they could just have dinner completely naked in the restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> and that would solve the um the lack of Timberlake scrote issue as well. Yeah, you could have his scrote just hanging. Um the father's played by Richard Jenkins, who's a really good actor. Um is in um he's in the upcoming Shape of Water, which I really want to see, about where the woman bones a fish man. Um, which I I'm super excited about seeing that. Um but then also in uh in recently he's in a really weird western called Bone Tomahawk, which I don't know if you've heard about, but it's kind of like a um a western horror movie about cannibals um and it kind of it got a very it's been become a cult classic almost instantaneously starring it stars kurt russell and patrick wilson and matthew fox from lost um and these cannibals uh this cannibal tribe basically kidnaps a load of people and uh and takes them off and and a band of adventurers gets together and they're like right we've got to go rescue um rescue these people that have been kidnapped by these nasty cannibals um and um it kind of it plays a little bit with um ideas of uh western expansion and manifest destiny um because it's all kicked off by these people stealing stuff from within the cannibal tribe sort of like spiritual circle as it were um, but it also plays with ideas of masculinity because each of the of the male characters that goes on this journey at the end, they're all very untrusting and they're all very much kind of show one-upmanship and bravado all the way through. Um, and yeah, so it's quite interesting the way that they do it. It's it's a very it's a very clever movie um, with one of the most shocking 
like endings I've seen in a film in a while. It becomes very, very violent very quickly. Um, and it makes the audience very uncomfortable in the way that the movie sets out to make them uncomfortable, basically. So it's quite an interesting film. That sounds really um, good. Yeah, definitely not one to watch on this podcast. Um, no. There, there, is a, there is a romantic subplot involving the fact that it's um, Patrick Wilson's wife, who's one of the people who's been kidnapped. Um, but yeah, there is, there is no need for it to make it onto this podcast, although it would probably make us cry with some of the horrible scenes in it which I think is the only way that it could work. Yeah, I mean, I think we could get there, but if we're going if we're going to talk about shoehorning things in, I mean, there's a lot of other things I'd like to shoehorn in before we get to Bone Tomahawk, even though it sounds really good. I mean, yeah. there there are eight Beethoven films, for example. <laughs> well, just, exactly, just we've got Airbud, Beethoven. Oh man, even we could even just I would actually genuinely love to do a podcast where we watch every single Airbud film in order. <laughs> Big boys don't bud. Big, big spin off. Big buds don't fly. <laughs> he's got air, but he's not got that much air. Good boys do fly. There we go. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. Richard um, Jenkins, very good actor. He seems to always play like stern dad types. Like when I saw him as, yeah. the, as the stern dad, I was like, yeah, he's he's a classic stern dad. Yeah, and he's 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 good in this. I think even though his his character is not very fleshed out i think he does a good performance yeah um i think yeah i think he manages to handle it well and it's perhaps i think one of the because there are a few flaws in it in this film um it does feel quite formulaic at times there are these odd moments where the script feels a little bit awkward but i think the performances overall are what really propels it beyond that yeah um because it's, it's it's walking that line between being a formulaic um, and tropish rom-com and being self-aware about it and joking about it. And at times it's on the joke side of the line and at times it's on the trope side of the line. And it's a difficult line to walk. Um, because obviously you, you think about trying to market and sell it. And if you if it's too satirical, um, people people just aren't going to go see it. So it's it's to do with that, I think. It's about trying to make a film that would sell whilst also having some fun with it which is a difficult line to walk. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and I do think it, it manages to do that just about. It's, it's not perfect, no. but it's nearly there. It, def- it definitely mostly gets there. And I, I think I said the same thing about Easy A as well. I think it was kind of kind of similar. But the, the way that it does walk that line does make it more interesting, I think, than films that either just completely go satirical or films that are more, more tropey. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. It's definitely more interesting than you'd think on um, on face value. I know it's it has these kind of little pop culture references or people's names thrown in that a lot of films often don't do as well uh, because they don't want to talk about people. Um, like they're always talking about George Clooney, and there's like a running joke about not remembering the songs by Third Eye Blind, which is like <laughs> yeah, it's a latch onto a band like Third Eye Blind, who yeah, I don't know what they're up to now, but I assume not much. That's quite that was quite funny. Yeah, because because they keep they keep singing "Closing Time" by Supersonic, don't they? Semisonic, Semisonic. Oh uh, God, I I feel bad <laughs> for them. Um, yeah, and and they keep and Justin Timberlake. It's like, oh yeah, it's by Third Eye Blind, isn't it? And there's this ongoing gag where they're like, no, 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 it's not Third Eye Blind song. Yeah, um, and then they use it for the flash mob at the end. Yes, and then the old flash mob at the end, and then um, it's a surprisingly catchy song. It is, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what else they did. I have no idea. 
Some little look. I, I couldn't even name you a Third Eye Blind song, to be honest. They did Third that. Um, oh, what's it called? Well, they're currently uh, on tour, supposedly. Are they? Yeah. They did. They did that song, "Semi Charmed Life," didn't they? I think that was their big hit. Yeah. This is just like how I couldn't remember who did Breakfast at Tiffany's. But Third Eye Blind is a similarly awful name to Deep Blue Something. It's like it's that it's that kind of real kind of nineties rock meaningless name. Yeah. But I'm glad that they got a little moment in um in this film because hopefully it helped their career. Yeah, and like I suppose it looks like it looks like Third Eye Blind re- released an EP in 2016, so they're still chugging along nicely. Cool. Um, let's find out about Semisonic. Semitonic. They are formed in Minnesota yeah. in 1995. Oh. That was my terrible attempt at a Minnesota accent. <laughs> well, in Minneapolis. You know who's the most famous person from Minneapolis? I don't know who is Prince. Oh, really? Yeah, Prince is from Minneapolis. I did not know that. Yeah. They, <laughs> it says here on Semisonic's Wikipedia page, they are best known for their 1998 single, Closing Time. Oh. Yeah. Well, there we go. Again. Oh, they haven't released a studio album since 2001. I can't believe they didn't jump back on it after they got this boost from Friends with Benefits. That seems yeah. kind of ungrateful. Yeah, Wilson has spoken about doing more Semisonic music in future, but said the busy day-to-day life keeps pushing it further into the future. However, they are now doing these shows. And more plans will follow, apparently. Cool. All right. But yeah, that was an element of the film that I liked. It's going little, little, always making jokes about that and jokes about George Clooney for some reason. And uh, uh, the crisscross as well. Oh, yeah. That little joke about crisscross, which I found funny. Yeah. Um, although crisscross was kind of before our time. Yeah, I, I reckon I always recognise that song. It'll make you jump, jump, jump. But it had that that kind of the jump, um, the jump chorus um, before um, House of Pain, obviously. Yeah, more more ire, I think. Which were you on the dance floor at my wedding when that came on? I was. Yeah, that was um, that was MJ's request. Your dad was loving it, yeah. which was brilliant. You did this excellent dance. You sort of squat down and have your hands flat, and you yeah, you walk like a turtle. It's great. It was yeah. He was he was absolutely loving that. Yeah. As was everybody actually. A great choice. That was that was a good. A little bit nice of house pain. Yeah, and the, <laughs> the um, little kind of pop cultural or like product joke that I like to tell is that when um, Patricia Clarkson plays um, Mila Kunis's mum, who's like a sort of scatty hippie who just drops in and out to provide some light humour here and there. Um, <laughs> she like kind of comes in and out of the room, and then. Justin Timberlake is like, is she wearing Axe body spray? (laughs) (laughs) And for for our British listeners, of course, Axe is American for Lynx. Yes, yeah. I don't know why it's called Lynx over here, but Axe everywhere else. Yeah, they think that that we couldn't handle a name as aggressive as Axe. We had to name it after uh, an animal instead. We're an animal-loving people, the British. We are, we are. (laughs) We needed it to be named after an angry cat. Yeah. Um, the other, the other, obviously, sort of like pop culture joke in it is the recurring character of Sean White. Yeah. Uh, 
the snowboarder who by all accounts in real life is a lovely fella um but who takes an immediate dislike to justin timberlake so is he a real um, person what sean white yeah, yeah he's a he's a very very famous snowboarder. oh that's um, funny because i was like i didn't realize that because i i don't know anything about snowboarding um I, I, I was like why is this guy being like weirdly aggressive to him and in two scenes like that serve nothing to add to the plot really other than to have a funny cameo okay i i get it now yeah he's he's a he's a very very successful um snowboarder um because he looks who, like a discarded uh, member of aerosmith <laughs> yeah, so, and he is known for his trademark hair yeah. his, his long hair although i don't know if he's still got it but he definitely used to have it like for for most of his career um so he he's won gold he won gold in like loads and loads of the x games he's won gold at the Olymp- at the winter olympics um stuff like that so he's a very very successful snowboarder cool. um who who is renowned for being a nice fella which i think is why they had him being such a scumbag ah uh, right um in uh, in the in in the film just to like play it for laughs he's actually a nasty bloke but yeah i think he's supposed to be very nice that's funny i guess it's like with cameos like that it's a case of who you can get isn't it see i reckon because there's a whole scene about a john mayer concert at the beginning that they tried to get john mayer to do a cameo but he was too busy should have done it john mayer come on i think that would have been really hilarious and john mayer is quite good at laughing at himself as well yeah even though people think that he's just this kind of douchey guy but if you've ever like seen some of his tweets or like seen him on snl or whatever he's actually quite funny and doesn't yeah, take got, himself he knows how to as ju- seriously as it might appear yeah his music's quite serious but he can take a joke yeah um because i've seen i've seen the occasional thing that he pops up on twitter it's like oh yeah okay you're all right yeah um so one person who it would have been interesting to see pop up in this movie would be Ashton Kutcher. Yeah. Um, the the real life um, BFF slash lover of Mila Kunis. Are they still an um, item? They are, I think. Yeah. I don't think they've split up or anything. But obviously That's in the nice. same... Was it the same year? I think it was the same year. Um, he was in a movie called No Strings Attached. Ah. Um, which was about... A pair of friends who start a um, a physical relationship with no emotional connections whatsoever, and it's a rom com with him and Natalie Portman. Ah, it came out the and same year. It came out the same year. It's one of those moments where in in cinema where two movies that are incredibly similar came up come out at the same time. Um, a lot like Volcano and Dante's Peak, and uh, mm. Deep Deep Impact and what was the other movie about an asteroid? Armageddon. Armageddon came out at the same time. Oh, yeah. And he had those two movies about terrorists taking over the White House that came out like within a few months of each other. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this is just another example of those two movies that somehow managed to come out that look exactly the same. Dante's Peak um, stars um, Pierce Bronholm. It does, yeah. It's a great movie. Oh, great film. It has a dog in it. <sighs> yeah. It's got uh, Linda Hamilton, a.k.a. Sarah Connor. Oh yeah. Um, the the weird thing about No Strings Attached was that it's directed by Ivan Reitman, um, the, the acclaimed... Beethoven Man, <laughs> as um, as I call him, <laughs> the Beethoven Man. Um, Didn't he direct Beethoven? I don't. I did he direct Beethoven? Wait, he did. He that. did Ghostbusters and and Twins and Kindergarten Cop. Um, is why I love him. Uh, did he do Beethoven? I think he did Beethoven. 
No, he didn't. Brian Levant. Oh, dear. I it wrong. No, what I'm thinking of is... Oh, no, he produced it. Okay. Oh, he produced it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. That is an amazing film. I love Beethoven. <laughs> I think Beethoven might be our most talked about movie. You, you talk about Beethoven, I talk about Robocop. <laughs> <laughs> Regularly. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so so it's quite interesting. And then um, in real life, I believe that Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher kind of had a Friends of Benefits situation that then became something more off the back of it. No way. Um, so it's like, oh, wow, yeah. That's movies, funny. Movies I like real life, etc. Apart yeah. from these are two incredibly successful actors. The, uh, the who... Wikipedia tells me that her and Ashton Kutcher are still together. But also oh, that she was with Macaulay Culkin from 2002 to 2010. Oh, wow. Eight years of Culkin That's a action. long time to be with Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. <laughs> and then after that, he went off the rails and made a pizza-themed band. <laughs> and uh, Ashton Kutcher was with... Um, what's her face? Demi Moore. Demi Moore, yeah. yeah. 2005 um, to I... 2013. Yeah. I don't I don't know how I feel about Ashton Kutcher. Yeah, I I wouldn't say that I've ever seen him in anything where I've been like that was a really strong performance. But I don't think that he's bad either. I think I just he just needs to prove it to me. Yeah. Yeah, Pro- you you we, we deserve to be proved this Ashton Kutcher as two people that have occasionally seen your movies. Yeah. Um, I remember really liking the butterfly effect. I never saw it. I thought that was quite clever when I was a kid. Probably now it's not as clever, but I seem to remember thinking that was quite a clever movie. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, he's in the greatest movie of all time, New Year's, New Year's Eve. Eve. Yeah, yeah, he was the most important character in that. Uh, he's also in Valentine's Day, which is one of the other Gary Marshall films. He played, he he done a Steve Jobs biopic, but I haven't seen it. But I have seen the one with Fassbender and I thought that was all right. Yeah, the Fassbender one was um, written by Aaron Sorkin, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, which you always know you're going to get something interesting when Sorkin does it. Um, I've heard that his performance as Jobs is all right. Yeah. But um, And that he put a load of effort into taking on that role. Um, and he, he really put his heart and soul into it. But I've heard that the movie in, as a whole is pretty awful. Mm. Yeah, I, that's what I have also heard. So again, Ashton Kutcher, like, he's okay, you know? Yeah, he's all right. Have you seen we'll No Strings Attached? I haven't, no. Me neither, because um, I was going to be like, well, how does it compare as two films with essentially exactly the same premise that came out yeah. in the same year? It'd be quite an interesting comparison. Because Natalie Portman, I can't see her being like as funny as Mila Kunis in this situation. I feel like with looking at this cast, it'd probably be a little bit more heavy-handed and less light-hearted. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like the two movies, you imagine that they kind of play off like the plot of Black Swan. Yeah. Where Mila Kunis has success by being, you know, very personable and having that emotional uh, involvement. Whereas Natalie Portman is more direct and efficient. Yeah. Whereas perhaps not if the, if the music is like Black Swan, then it will be inc- an incredibly <laughs> oppressive and awful experience. <laughs> Would you watch Incredibly Loud? Comedy? <laughs> would you watch a romantic comedy directed by Darren Aronofsky? Oh, of course I would. Can you can you imagine how great that would be? 
<laughs> but only if he directed it in the same style as Black Swan, with just everything yeah. being really dark and shadowy, and then at the big moments, just really, really loud, blaring classical music, just like the loudest and most oppressive arrangement of the piece that you can find, just blaring at you. I, I, I would totally watch that with his director's commentary, um, where it's like, yeah, so, you know, the woman represents Mother Earth. <laughs> And, and that's why we put in a fart joke here, because it's a comedy. Yeah. You see this bit here where Woody Harrelson says, ridiculous. I spent eight days meditating to think of that joke. I read several books <laughs> about about how trees are penises. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's an allegory for the forest of life. Oh, man. I'd totally watch that. Yeah. That sounds amazing. It appears that No Strings Attached stars Carrie Elways, who is one of my favourite, no like, most underrated actors. I think he is wonderful um, and never got the recognition he deserved because obviously he played the, the handsome the handsome villain slash hero in The, the Princess Bride and mm. never really seemed to like become a huge star after that. But he pops up in lots of things where you're like, oh yeah, it's that guy. Like, oh, what's the film? Liar, Liar. He's like the kind of like oh, peppy yeah. stepdad who's trying his best, and it's like he's so so lovely in that role. He's great in that film. I really love Liar Liar actually, and primarily because of Carrie Elwes in it. Um, he's also in Saw. Oh, is, um, he the, is he the baddie? No, he's he's one of the people who's been kidnapped. Oh, he ends yeah. up cutting off his foot to try and escape. Um, I, I have seen Saw, but I can't remember it at all. It's. Uh, not that great overall but in terms of how little it cost to make i think it did a very good job of being a quite clever um scary movie horror movie um and obviously it then kickstarted the career of a very 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 talented horror filmmaker in james wan mm. um so it's it's a it's an all right movie it's it's quite interesting um unfortunately its reputation has been tarred by the fact that it's had several terrible sequels but um yeah um, Carrie Elwes, uh, he turned up in Bram Stoker's Dracula, which Katie and I watched recently. Oh, cool. Um, which we rewatched, which is uh, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Oh, right. And is a really, it's a really weird adaptation because half of it is amazing and half of it is terrible. They made the very strange decision to cast Winona Ryder and um, and Keanu Reeves as Mina and Jonathan Harker. Cool. Um, That's which, good. And neat. They're they're both very very bad. Keanu Reeves is putting on a very bad English accent, and, oh. he, and he admits that he isn't at his best in this movie. I love Keanu. Um, he's another guy love, that you, love you love feel like he's always trying his best, and and he's he can be a very very effective actor, I think. Yeah. Um, but he needs to be in the right movie, and he needs needs to be the right character. Um, and he's got a, vers- a versatility that a lot of people don't see as well. Um, but unfortunately, this movie was not the right thing. Oh dear! For him, who um, plays the uh, the titular vampire? Uh, Gary Oldman okay. is Dracula, and he's great. He uh, is he's also awesome. Anthony Hopkins as Van Helsing. Ah, okay. And uh, Tom Waits as Renfield, and he's great. Wow! Because you just think it's as though Tom Waits just kind of wandered onto set, and they just let him do his own thing because Tom Waits is brilliant. Um, he and is yeah, a so very it's, scary it's, man, Tom Waits. He he's I love Tom Waits. He's brilliant. I think like. If I could hang out with three people in a room together and just chill out and play Mario Kart, 
it would be it would be Tom Waits, Trent Reznor, and Nick Cave. That would be awesome. Can you can you imagine how much fun it would be playing Mario Kart with Tom Waits? I saw a really amazing black and white photo on Twitter this week of Nick Cave and Henry Rollins babysitting a small toddler. Yes, yeah, you may have seen that when I yeah. retweeted it. Maybe is that is that you? Because it, it that? might have been me, yeah, because I spotted it. Um, it's so it's great, yeah. That was very um, enjoyable. Okay, well, if I could have three people to play Mario Kart, I'd have I'd have Kerry always. Um, let's see, who else could I have? Who else is underrated? Kerry always. Actually, Kerry Owens and Keanu Reeves would be quite a good combo. That would be good, actually. I'm not sure have you ever, if they've ever been in the same room, even. And then I guess you could have Jim Carrey as well, because... I, th- I think they, they were in the same scenes in Dracula, actually. Oh, right. Um, yeah, so they weren't, they weren't separated out in terms of different parts of the performance, so yeah. So they know each other. They've worked together. Cool. Yeah, and then we bring in Jim Carrey, but Jim Carrey now, so the guy who like says rude things to reporters on the red carpet and like makes <laughs> baffling pronouncements and is most definitely probably a flat earther now. Oh mate, he's got to be. He's yeah. got to be. The the one thing I feel bad about though is that I can't imagine playing Mario Kart with anyone other than Rob Sherman, our good friend. Yeah. Because he comes up with the most profane like uh, like shouts, I think I've ever heard from anybody whilst playing Mario Kart. It really makes him angry. I know he but he it's, gets it's he gets furious in a way that it, I've never. Yeah, it it makes me very happy though. Yeah, I, yeah. I can't imagine not playing Mario Kart with Rob Sherman. I, I don't think it's possible. Um, so Carrie Elwes, he then was in uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights, obviously, which is still the best Robin Hood movie. That is I'd a hilarious say. film. It's super funny. One of Mel Brooks's best, I'd say. Um, what else was he in, though? He's been in lots of good stuff. Um, Kiss the Girls. He's one of the people in Kiss the Girls. Is he the? Oh, I, I might not say that because it might be a spoiler for a a twenty year old murder mystery. Twenty year old murder <laughs> but, mystery. Is that is yes. Morgan Freeman in that one? That's the Morgan Freeman yeah, one. Yeah, that's good. She's quite good. Um, he's also in. Uh, he goes back to the story of Dracula in a great movie called Shadow of the Vampire, which I don't know if you've ever seen. No. It is a it's, a it's a film about the filming of Nosferatu, um, but they put a play on it by saying that the person who played Nosferatu in the movie, Max Schreck, is actually a vampire. <laughs> so maybe maybe Max is a vampire. So yeah, exactly. So they're actually suggesting that uh, Franz Murnau, the director, um, found a real life vampire to play Dracula in the movie or that, Nosferatu rather that's awesome um, it's got a it's got a great cast so it's got John Malkovich is is uh, F.W. Murnau um, Willem Dafoe is Max Schreck um, it's got like incredible horror character actor Udo Kier uh, Carrie Elwes Eddie Izzard's in it as well it's a it's a super movie a really real underrated horror gem with some great moments of dark humour as well that sounds wicked um, yeah it's it's a super great movie um but yeah, so yeah, Carrie Elwes is great. Yeah, um, Jim Carrey is not a flat earther, from what I can tell, but it seems he is an anti-vaxer, which is yeah, like that's yeah. actually a lot worse because they're genuinely saying that people should just like let their kids die. Yeah, um, don't be an anti-vaxer, folks. It's a really bad thing. He's not invited to my it's... my Mario Kart party anymore. No, in case he starts trying to tell you about how vaccines are wrong. Yeah. Might just want to bin him off. I'll invite Justin Timberlake instead, as long as he promises not to claim that he's bringing sexy back. Yeah, you know, Prince didn't appreciate that. No, 
I I really hate that song. I think it's a it's a real stinker. I really I love that yeah. song. Yeah. I I really love that era of of JT. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Charlie Brooker's Scream Wipe around the time that that song came out. Um, when that show was still going and it was really good, he did a, the thing on the Brit Awards and was really scathing about everyone and referred to <laughs> the JT as sexy back crooner Tintin Bumberclart. <laughs> Where it's like he couldn't think of anything that's like genuinely like witty to say about him, so he just made a stupid pun on his name. <laughs> <laughs> Which, to be fair, I think that's um, that's great, though, isn't it? Yeah, I think yeah. you need those kind of moments. Um, my one of my favorite like silly names is. Do you remember? There's that photo of the of John Travolta looking at Benedict Cumberbatch at the Oscars. No, um, in 2015, <laughs> he's giving him a really creepy look, and I think it was on Twitter. I'm gonna look this up. That some guy just put a comment underneath it saying, "I'm going to kill you, <laughs> Brenda Dirk Crample Scrunch." <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, here we go. Oh my god, it's Beryl comes actual. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, the um, the old yeah, doing doing jokes on Benedict Cumberbatch's name is yeah. That's that's a, a joke as old as time. Yeah, I, I regularly refer to his surname as Cummerbund, uh, for instance. Um, he's a yeah, he's got a silly name. I think we can all appreciate that. It is a very silly name. Uh, poor old John Travolta. Yeah, old the other JT. The other JT now not the most famous JT. Sadly, not. No, we um, Greece was on the television the other day. We watched a bit of it. It's it's actually an incredibly fast-paced film. It's like, oh, you're going from one scene to another dance scene to another dance scene, and then suddenly they're in the cinema, and suddenly she's pregnant, and it's like, will you marry me even though we're teenagers, and then it's over. Oh. We could talk about that on this podcast at some point. Maybe. Yeah, we could, we could talk about that. Because so we haven't talked about any musicals, really, have we? La La Land, I think, doesn't really count. And uh, and Les Mis, obviously. Oh, that's the that's the what that was the big kind of musical one yeah. that we talked about. Yeah. So yeah, we could talk about that. Yeah, because I was going to choose Footloose next, but we're about to hit December, so we need to talk mm. about where we're going with um where we're going with our festive month. But shall we should we tie up on friends with benefits first? Do we have anything else to say? Um, no. I mean, you took away my big. Uh, my my big trivia moment. Oh, sorry. I'll never, I'll never forgive you for that. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> They're going to talk about Will Gluck. He ain't no cuck. <laughs> He's, he is a globe gluck, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the combination of those two things. Globe cuck, gluck. <laughs> so he's like the most... He's as far from a flat earther as you can get. So he's like our god, basically. Yes, yeah, we we love him. He's 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 non flat earther. Hats off to um, you, Will Gluck. We like you. Yeah, we like you. So so the other we have a little bit of trivia is that this movie includes both Justin Timberlake and Rashida Jones, mm -hmm. um, but they do not share the screen together. This is not the only movie where that has happened in, ah. um, because they are also both in the Social Network, the movie about the creation of Facebook. 
um, where they were both in it, but did not share the screen time together at all. Was that because most of the screen time was taken up by a scene of people rowing to the Hall in the Mount, Hall of the Mountain King? <laughs> I, I, I will add a little something to that: the industrial reworking of Hall of the Mountain King. Yeah, yeah, a, a resinerified Hall yeah, of the Mountain I, King. I, I love that movie so much. I don't think I don't think anyone loves that film as much as I do. I think it's brilliant, and I love that scene, that just nonsensical scene of the two of them. <laughs> that made me ro- love rowing. so much. It's great. It's great. Um, yeah, no, yeah, they are not in. Uh, they are not in the movie together, but they are both in the movie, much like Friends with Benefits. Yeah, interesting. Uh, but yeah, I think that'll do for trivia. That's the, the two most interesting bits of trivia, I'd say. Yeah, I think we've covered all the all the bits of intrigue. Um, well, they, the- but the other thing I'd point out is that they they play "Pumped Up Kicks" by Foster the People, which mm-hmm. is a song about child soldiers, isn't it? I isn't believe that so. What it's about yeah. yeah, and it's a bit like mm, it's a bit weird that it's being used in this random scene in this movie. On the whole, though, the, I thought the music was quite good. Yeah, when it's it, got when a great it, soundtrack. When it was supposed to be the sad, reflective moment, what was playing? But "Death Cab for Cutie," my fave. Oh, yes. Your faves. Yeah, uh, it's obviously got. Closing Time in it, which is a great song by Third Eye Blind, yeah. definitely not by Semisonic. It is a good song for a very kind of like cliched flash mob. It's it definitely suits the flash mob ending. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What there what there wasn't enough of though was in that in that scene was enough of people just kind of trying to get to their train, just going get the fuck out of the way. <laughs> like yeah, because I think I think that would definitely happen, wouldn't it? I don't know if have you ever been around a flash mob? I think I once stumbled across somewhere. a flash mob in Waterloo when I was on my way home from work, and I was just like, you can all fuck right off. I don't care how uplifting the thing you're selling is. Go away. Because <laughs> yeah, I've I've tried to get somewhere through a flash mob or like there's been a flash mob blocking my way in london before i'm just like for fuck's sake get out of the way like i just want to get somewhere i don't want to deal with your with your nonsense right now yes you're going to make people laugh but i'm not in the mood i want to get home and cry into a pillow (laughs) yeah i'm really glad that flash mobs aren't really a thing anymore and that the millenniums have moved on to avocado toast and abusing each other on twitter yeah exactly like i mean if we were all doing flash mobs all the time, that would probably be a bigger impact on everything that millennials are ruining. Yeah, definitely. Well, why are people not buying diamonds anymore? It's because they're all being in flash mobs. <laughs> too, too busy doing flash mobs. If these yeah. millennials want to buy houses, they need to cut down on their flash mob intake. <laughs> my my favourite one was one today that was blaming millennials for um, the 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 decreasing population, the the lowered bo- birth rates amongst young people, young people, yeah, and saying like, why aren't millennials having children? It's like because we can't fucking afford to give kids a good lifestyle because the economy's shit. Yeah, yeah, like the the boomers and the oldies all like yeah, fuck up the economy and make the, like raise the cost of living massively and take away all our economic security. And they're like, oh yeah, you should totally bring children into this world. Like, hmm. We we wanna we wanna stop all immigration from happening, so we need you to have kids. But hey, yeah, we're not gonna give you any um any security yeah. for your children. We need you need us to have kids so that they can go and work in the dandelion and burdock factory. Yeah. There's there's only gonna be two jobs in, in Britain. It's gonna be fruit picking and working in the dandelion and burdock factory. Yeah. It's gonna be the biggest employer. Yeah. That's all we're going to... Dandelion and Burdock is going to save our economy, Paddy. I, I don't think you realise 
and I don't think the EU realises what it's missing out on, is that as soon as we leave the EU officially, that's when Dandelion and Burdock production is going to skyrocket. Yeah. And everyone in the world is going to want Dandelion and Burdock. And they're going to be all like, oh, can we have your Dandelion and Burdock? And we'll be like, yes, but it's going to cost you $10 million a can. And they're all going to say yes, because Dandelion and Burdock's so nice. Say yes, we want it. They'll, they'll then, have to start using it as fuel. Yeah, and we're all going to be like, have mansions. Yeah, like every single person in Britain is going to have mansions because that's what Brexit's going to well, do. Well, they'll they'll produce so many cans of dandelion and burdock that there'll be like an excess of tin. So we'll start building houses out of dandelion and burdock cans. Yeah, <laughs> have tin Which, houses. You know, you know, it's probably quite good insulation, isn't it? It's totally dandelion safe. And burdock. Well, and even if it isn't safe, even if the insulation isn't proper, even if weather's going to come along, and you know, even if it's not structurally sound, I want the freedom to be able to build a house out of tin cans, and I don't want any Brussels people to come meddling and tell me that I can't build a house out of cans and drink dandelion <laughs> and burdock in it. That's undemocratic. I am, I, I am sick of experts telling me that building a house out of cans is a bad idea. Yeah. I think I've had I want to be able to sit there I want to sit there in my tin house smoking cigarettes drinking dandelion and burdock and shouting at people who aren't white <laughs> This is the Brexit dream that, m- <laughs> that millennials are keeping us from because they won't buy houses and have children because they're too busy on their flash mobs I mean I think Nigel Farage is something of a traitor because you see him in those pubs all the time drinking what's clearly foreign beers Yeah um, he should be drinking pints of dandelion and burdock like a true patriot. Yeah. He won't even drink Buckfast because it's Scottish. I mean, it's well, Buckfast is technically Devon, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, no. it's made oh, no, by it's monks down in... Yeah. No, I, just think, I always think that it's Scottish because it's popular in Scotland. It, yeah, the only people that drink it are Scots because of its high sugar and alcohol content. It means it's great as a means to get incredibly drunk incredibly quickly. Yeah, no, you're right. I have been to Buckfast Abbey where it is made. Yeah, so have I. It's uh, it's an exciting place. It is a, it's a great day out if you ever get yeah. the chance. Uh, but interestingly, the um, the monastery at uh, Buckfast Abbey is a, a Benedictine monastery, which is the same as the monastery where I went to school. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you feel at home? I, I did a little bit, yeah. It had a similar, similar vibe. Benedictinism is an early example of collectivism. Rule of St. Benedict, everything's collectively owned by the monasteries. The monks own no individual possessions. It's very kind of inclusive and welcoming de- denomination. Monk communists. Yeah, they're, they're basically monk communists. So Buckfast it was made by communists, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so they'll probably start outlawing that. And then we won't even have booze. We will just have dandelion and burdock and that you just leave you leave the dandelion and burdock out in the sun for like a month and then it's suitably fermented to be able to drink it and get drunk (laughs) fermented burdock (laughs) christ all right oh dear friends of benefits is there any any more any more tidbits anything else we need to say um i don't think so no no, I don't have anything else. Do you? JT comes up with the insult dick douche at one point, which I quite like. Oh, yes. Yeah, that is a good one. That's very good. Um, just looking at my notes. No, I think we've covered it all. So overall, I'll say, yeah, it's it's a good and enjoyable film that plays with romantic tropes. It's not necessarily hugely impactful. I don't know that I'd rush to watch it again, but it's it's fun and enjoyable and better than you think and did does surprise you in nice ways 
I think. Yeah, I'd agree. It's a it's a it's a, a fun little romp. Um I've watched it I think three times now. Um so I I I I rewatch this movie every so often. I think like it still makes me laugh whenever I see it. Um but it's not one of those movies that's like a must watch. I wouldn't say it's got the same I wouldn't say it's as good as Easy A overall. No. Um but it is an it is an enjoyable movie. Yeah. If you were to watch it and then Easy A together on a kind of marathon night, that would probably work quite well because the tone is yeah, kind of be similar. A fun, that would be a fun, a fun day to watch those two. Yeah. So how many, let's see, what can we do for the, um, for the rating scale? Hmm, that's a good question, actually. What would be suitable for... How many how many dates would you not sleep with friends with benefits? Oh yeah, because she has a five date rule. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna say fourteen. Fourteen. That's dates. a good. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good amount of time. That's a. You know, you really want to make sure that that friends with benefits is the right romantic partner for you. Yeah. Before you commit physically to a relationship with it. Solid. Solid. Um. Yeah, I would I would go for fourteen as well. Nice. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, it's it's a good movie. I I wouldn't say I love it, but it is a nice film and it makes me laugh. And yeah. I think the characters are charming. And charming. I wish I was friends with with everybody in this movie, particularly yeah. Woody Harrelson. With with or without the benefits. Yeah, we are friends friends with the benefit of being a good friend with someone who you like. Yeah, <laughs> that would be the title if it was a British film. Yes, <laughs> we we have a friends with benefits relationship, Paddy, with the benefit being that we run a nice podcast together. That's a, that's a, the definition of benefit. <laughs> Although when um, when Universal Credit comes in next year, I don't know how it's going to work. Oh, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> friends with benefit claimants. I think yeah. we found <laughs> we found the British spin-off. Friends with Benefit Claimants. Yeah. Well didn't um Channel Four do some kind of poverty porn show called Friends on Benefits? Oh did it? Yeah. Or is that it wouldn't surprise kind of... me? I feel like that's definitely a thing that exists as like a joke on this. I mean wasn't Friends with Benefit Claimants the original name of I Daniel Blake? <laughs> yeah. And then they realised that I Daniel Blake was a much catchier title. I've yes. um still not seen I Daniel Blake and I really want to see it. I've I've not seen it yet either. I really want to. I, hear I like, I like good Ken things. Loach, um, and yeah, I've heard really good stuff about it. It and it seems to have got the backs up the up the the right wingers. So yeah, they they're furious about it, showing these people as being human um, instead of scumbags. Yeah, it's uh, it's really angered them that you can how dare you uh, treat people fairly and treat people like humans if they're not rich. Yeah. Um, did you see, by the way, sorry to get overly political on this podcast, but the study that suggests that 120,000 people have died due to conservative austerity measures. I did see that, and I, I 100% believe that. Yeah. And this, this is the, th- there's a genuine kind of human cost to policy, and these we need more of these kind of stats to come out so that people will actually believe that policy does have a genuine effect on life in this way. Because for people, people who are privileged enough to not have to experience those things, 
don't really they just kind of they dismiss all this kind of thing as conjecture or economics or whatever as a, an abstract thing you know figures on a spreadsheet or whatever but policy like this does really affect life in that way so yeah we need as sad as it is we need more of this stuff mm. well i i think like there was immediate criticism of particularly their their benefits measures um because they led this real drive early on to try and um cut people from benefits who were terminally ill and who were who were seriously ill and things like that and like yeah. that was obviously going to lead to people dying but people don't care about it people don't care about the impact on people's lives when it comes to this stuff when in reality in terms of the overall problems of this country economically things like benefits claimants actually are just a drop in the ocean in comparison to other problems yeah that's the thing as well that people make out that like health tourism or benefit cheating or whatever like the the amount of money however many millions that that costs when you look at like that in terms of the size of the gdp or budgets for certain things it's always comparatively minuscule it's always you know like one or two percent of a thing where you know the other 99 percent of it is helping people to you know not be homeless or not not have to choose between putting food on their table or heating their home or whatever it's like and people just people think that like yeah the one bad apple means that you have to throw them all out and that that kind of attitude yeah it, it really gets my back up and if you yeah, if you uh, think that you're an idiot yeah i find it really frustrating when people talk about it um and because it it isn't it's nothing and when people talk about like the the cost of the welfare state they ignore the fact that the vast majority of that actually comes under pensions anyway. Yep. And it's so, like, well, you're you're trying to put in all of these measures to try and stop people from claiming benefits. The cost of the measures you're putting in place nearly are as much as the the supposed uh, fabricated benefit claimants anyway. Yeah. Um, why don't you focus on something else? Like the amount of money that they've spent on. Um private contractors like ATOS doing all these work assessments, the amount of money that that costs the government, I don't know for sure, but I would wager to say that that is probably more than the amount lost in people falsely claiming benefits, or if you even see that as a loss, you know. Mm. Um, you know, it fits their narrative well, doesn't it? Yeah. These fucking arseholes. It does. So yeah, fuck them. Yeah. They, could, they will definitely... The people who came up with the policies that killed 120,000 people, they will be the first to go to Trash Island. Yes, yeah, they will all go to Trash Island. Yep. Ian Duncan Smith, you'll get there first. What what amazes me about Ian Duncan Smith's continued career in politics is that he's time and time again proven himself to be an incompetent piece of shit. Yeah. Um, but somehow keeps getting in. He's How like does he keep getting in? He's the MP for Chingford and Wood Green in london but like wood green is is not a place there's not an affluent place like i don't know how they keep voting for him but this well, the, because, the most recent election they, it was very close actually closer than it has they, ever been they, uh, they they the conservative party has successfully gerrymandered um most of the constituencies in the uk to great effect which is what they do whenever they're in power and the labor party never seems to realize oh wait maybe we should reverse those so they do it a little bit but they never do it as much as they should and i think it's one of the problems with left-wing parties is they need to be nastier yeah. and they need to try and disrupt things more when they're in power like if the if the democrats get back into power 
for instance, in the in the midterm elections, they need to gerrymander the fuck out of everything as soon as possible. If they get back the pre- presidency, they need to gerrymander the fuck out of everything as quickly as they possibly can. Um, and I'm sorry if that sounds particularly nasty, but they just need to reverse what's been done yeah. and maybe push it a little bit more in their favour to try and put off the fact that the next time it all comes round that the Republicans are going to do exactly the same thing because you're not going to stay in power forever. No, of course not. And the, the, the balance of power will eventually shift. But when you've been in a period where they've caused that many people to die through those kind of policies, it just makes you think, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, well, yeah. It, ma- exactly. it makes one despair. But we have a bright, fu- a bright future in Burdock. We do, yeah. But like um, Dandelion Burdock's going to save everything. Yeah. I Daniel Burdock. <laughs> I Daniel Burdock. Yeah, that'll be the that'll be the only film that we can watch. Yeah, it will just be documentaries about how great Ian Duncan Smith is. Oh Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> Ian Duncan Burdock. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. So yeah, fuck the right wing, and then <laughs> fuck their policies. That's all I really have to say at this stage. I think yeah, just there. There's a time and a place for for um, conservatism as a suitable political stance to make, but the current crop are a bunch of absolute arsewipes. Yeah. The, the, the time and the place is them. not where I am, and after I have gone to bed. <laughs> are you suggesting that the Conservative Party can run the country? outside of office hours yeah and the labor party runs it inside office hours that's that's quite a cool idea so they're like yeah they're, they're not they're nocturnal they're like um like vampires although does <laughs> well i mean some of them i think are vampires yeah um philip hammond is definitely a vampire yeah look at um, i've seen him, sh- like him shining in the light <laughs> um but like would that would that then lead though to two different sets of laws because I think I'd rather have the Conservative Party... Oh, I don't know, actually. I was thinking if the Conservative Party controlled the laws after I got home from work, would that then mean that, like, for instance, because they want to put heavy restrictions on the internet, mm. would that mean I wouldn't be able to look at anything apart from, like, the Google version of Ian Duncan Smith's face? Yeah, yeah. You'd be able to go on the Dandelion and Burdock official website. And, that and that's it. it. And yeah, also, you can, yeah, that, you can that would about... mean they'd be in charge of nightlife, which would be a terrible, terrible idea. So I mean, all yeah, you'd be you... able to go to would be like opera and ballet, and all like music gigs would be cancelled because people moved to the area and then complain that about the noise from the music venue that they moved to that's been there for twenty years, and then it gets shut down. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you there's a there's an long running long running thing about how conservatives can't be funny. I mean, can you imagine going to a comedy show after work only to find that it's a conservative comedian? Yeah. IDS is up there telling his jokes. Knock, knock. Who's there? Who's there? It's the benefit police. We've come to take your house. (laughs) The benefit police who? (laughs) Hilarious. Like, who's that guy? That guy who's like a right-wing comedian who's always on Twitter being a knob? Andrew something? That could be any right-wing comedian. <laughs> They're all that, aren't they? Andrew Lawrence. You, you heard of this Oh, guy? is he that, that kid, who, that, that guy who looks like he's 12? Yeah. And just says yeah. f- willfully offensive shit to get retweets. He's the one who couldn't... Comedy career telling equally offensive stupid jokes. He's the one who couldn't hack it at the BBC, isn't he? 
Yeah. He could he couldn't hack it at BBC comedy jobs, so then he just got really bitter and decided to become a right wing comedian and talk about how like feminists are ruining the world. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be like yeah. him. He's like the anti Russell Howard. Yeah. Perpetually youthful looking, but a prick. Yeah. Instead of occasionally funny. <laughs> he definitely has like a a ravaged portrait in his attic. <laughs> Uh, a portrait of Andrew Lawrence. Yeah, Ugh. yeah. So that's the that's the political segment. But I, I think like people, we that's the most like we've gone on a long kind of serious political discussion. But I think we we say enough stuff about about you know we mock the alt right and stuff that people know what our political persuasion is. So I think a little bit of political content here and there is expected and is fine. Yeah, I, we got onto a bit of a tangent there, but I think. It fits in well. Yeah, I, I think l- it was well established in our episode about William and Kate the movie, where we talked about how the royals are lizards for quite a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, over the course of this episode, I have, a, of course, admitted that I am a full-on Marxist. So, <laughs> no, 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 a Leninist. Leninist. Yeah. yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. Disclaimer: I am not. I'm probably slightly less left-wing than you, Paddy. Yeah, I'd say. Just yeah, because I'm a, like... I'm an advocate of stuff like universal basic income. Like, I think that everyone should be paid to do nothing, which <laughs> doesn't quite make me a Marxist, but it's it's getting there. Yeah. Whereas I, I, you know, I'm generally a Marxist, but I also like have specific tendencies that make me want to hurt people of certain races, like the Conservative Party do. Yeah. So, yeah. You know. Disclaimer, I'm not actually racist, by the way. <laughs> just Toryist. Just, yeah, just Toryist. Or vampist. I'm racist. <laughs> I'm racist against vampires. Yeah. The, va- can, the vampire just... lobby getting, is getting powerful these days, you know. It is, you know. I mean, the one thing that concerns me is obviously that um, the the impact on, on this gradual privatisation of the NHS on vampires um, because you know the rich vampires will be able to afford private blood, but what about what about all of the poor vampires that can't afford to take that? They they're going to have to go out hunting blood again. Yeah. Well, this is why the NHS has such a huge emphasis on their blood drive, right? Yeah, because we've got vampires out there who need that blood, because otherwise they're going to be starting to hunt people and kill people again, and that's the only thing that stopped them is the NHS. Yeah. This would actually be a really good idea for a for a movie, by the way, wouldn't it? Vampires in the NHS blood drive. Vam- I think about this every time drive. I every time I give blood. I think about this that there's got to be some way to make a cool vampire movie out of this. It would be, yeah, I think it would work because quite often vampire movies kind of showcase um, vampires getting blood from other means. Um, so only lovers left alive, for instance, is a really clever vampire movie, and they sort of like they they basically pay off doctors to give them blood and stuff like that so they don't have to go out hunting too much so it doesn't arise too much suspicion. Yeah, sounds good. I would watch that. Um, yeah, it's a good movie. But yeah, we could totally do... Like, imagine I, Daniel Blake, but with vampires. Oh, that'd, be, that'd be awesome. Would be great. Let's do that. After Sensations. We use the money from Sensations to make this movie. Yeah, you know, you, you make your money initially by whatever means you can and then you put it towards good causes. That's what yeah. just what you have to do in a capitalist society. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Right. But yeah, 
this is a film about rom- a, a podcast about rom-coms and and, and left wing chat and if you can't handle it maybe you're a vampire <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's totally the message of this episode yeah so December is fast approaching in fact on the next the next episode after this one will come out on the 1st of December so I think well uh, offline after this we need to discuss our December schedule with festive films but mm-hmm. as, it, as it's my choice, um, I'm going to drop in the first Christmas film into that, which is that, have you seen, well, I think it came out on Netflix um, only yesterday. It's called A Christmas Prince. <laughs> I have not seen A have Christmas you spotted Prince. The, have you spotted the trailers for it? No. It looks abominably bad, but because it's a Netflix original, I'm really curious that it seems like Netflix are investing in kind of bad content, finally. So just so they're to... going down like the hallmark, hallmark route, I suppose. Then, yeah, it very much looks like a, a hallmark channel Christmas twenty four film. Yeah, I'll, I'll read you the description. When a reporter goes undercover as a nanny to get the inside scoop on a Playboy prince, she gets tangled in some royal intrigue and ends up finding love. But will she be able to keep up her lie? That sounds amazing. I don't recognise anyone in the cast, which is good. As, as also the kind of the hallmark of a hallmark, but I'm all over this. Yeah, this sounds this sounds great. So yeah, the next time we're going to watch a Christmas Prince to kick off the festive season. Oh, it's got Alice Krieg in it. I know her. Yeah, what yeah, I done? like her. Um, she, I, I recognise her. She played the Borg Queen in Star Trek: First Contact. Oh, cool! And she was also in Silent Hill, the Silent Hill movie. Well, she also plays um, a queen in this, so hopefully she'll be able to bring some of her, her Borg Queen experience. <laughs> I'd love it if she is just the Borg Queen. I'd be, I'd love that. That would be great. Yeah, so that, that's going to be our film for next time. Awesome. Cannot wait. Yeah. Um, I don't have any, anything else to add at this point, do you? No, no. That's, that's everything from me. Cool. All right. Well, as ever, you can get in touch with us at um, on the emails at bigboysdon'tcrypodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at bigboysdon'tpod. What did you make of Friends with Benefits? Do you like JT? Do you agree that he brought sexy back? Was Prince wrong? You know, let us have it. Let us hear about it. If you could be friends with benefits with anybody, who would it be? Ooh, that's a, that's a tricky one. I'm going to say Carrie Elwes. <laughs> that's a good choice yeah I, I would say Justin Timberlake but clearly he'd end up falling for me if this movie is anything to go by and I couldn't be having that yeah and you'd end up falling for him as well that's true yeah and then you wouldn't be able to do this podcast anymore because you'd be too busy living in New York and eating your diners and stuff yeah that would be difficult yeah so also I'd probably have to go off on tour with Justin Timberlake all the time I'd like to be on his tours yeah That'd be fun. And like offering some emotional support. Yeah. Oh, good times. All right. <laughs> well, um, we'll be back next week to talk about A Christmas Prince. Hope you guys have a nice week. Happy Thanksgiving and Black Friday and whatever. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>